Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Man, things are so good in Flyers land. Like, I don't even know where to begin. So much to get into. I'm so excited to do this show. Talk about this playoff run they're on. Flyers fighting for the... Oh, fuck. No, no. It's the exact opposite of that. Um, Everything is bad. And I hate it. So let's get right into it. Uh, let's lead things off with Steph Licious D. Steph Driver. So I wrote an article on the trade deadline that said it's okay if the Flyers have a quiet deadline. It's fine. But I need to clarify that does not mean that the Flyers are fine. That doesn't mean that we are fine. And it certainly doesn't mean good. It just means that the Flyers are out of playoff contention, so there's nothing doing happening at the trade deadline. Like, sure, they could sell, and they ended up doing that, which was good, I guess, but, I mean, it's it's whatever. Some would say they didn't even sell. They actually had to buy to get rid of uh, the only contribution this GM made. They had to actually pay Montreal to take him, but we'll get into that all later. Okay, Finish your it's talk. not the only contribution, but I just want to say, fine does not mean good, and it does not mean that we should be happy. It just means that they'll, they'll have to, they have to have an active offseason. Theathletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. Yeah, I really don't have a hot take. I mean, I... <laughs> I, I I don't, Charlie's I don't done. even yeah I just don't really know like what is what there even is to say at this point you know <laughs> team's not playing well we're past the trade deadline it's fourteen games left until the end of the season and then we can hopefully return to some sense of normality in our lives and maybe not have to think about the Flyers for a little bit playing out the string I love it that's all we have to do like every night when I finish post game I'm just like all right fourteen. That Magic 15, it's down. Now we just move on to, like, we're going to have, like, five games left at some point. And I'm going to start getting, like, oh, it's ending. But no, no, it, it well, feels Well, nice. not after this season. There's, there's just an element of what's going to happen now. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I do think... I do think things are going to happen in the offseason. Sure. But we can't just snap our fingers and get to the offseason. Like, we just have to grit our teeth and grind our way through these last 14 games, which like most of them will probably suck. Some of them will be okay. And maybe a couple rookies will have good games and that'll be fun. And that'll be neat. But like these games don't matter. No, it's, they, it's, they it's over. Less. So it's just hard to really talk about anything right now. And it's hard to deal with the people who are like, why aren't they doing things? Well, they're not doing things because nothing happens now. This is the dead part of the year if you're not in contention, which the Flyers aren't. So I don't really have hot takes. I'm just kind of waiting. 
let me ask you this question then, because you said we can't just snap our fingers and get to the end, and we can't. All year I've been saying I kind of just want the click remote that I can fast forward to the day <laughs> after the expansion draft. Just be like, we're there, it's over, now let's get on with it. I saw you say on Twitter today that you think they will be active prior to the expansion draft. I didn't say will, I said they could. They could I, be, know, okay. Yeah, I mean, why not? You know, part of the thing with the expansion draft is that, you know, teams are going to be looking to trade players before the expansion draft because they're players that they don't think they'll be able to protect. So, if you are looking to buy, like, let's say you're, and I, I don't even know what the hell Nashville's doing at this point, but like, let's say you're the Nashville Predators, and you're looking at the situation, and you're like, okay, we, we really can't keep all of Ryan Ellis, Matias Ekholm, Roman Yossi, and Dante Fabro, and not lose a forward that we really want to lose. So, we are now motivated before the expansion draft to trade away one of our high-priced defensemen so we can do a 7-3-1. Well, if the Flyers don't trade for one of those guys before the before the expansion draft, and then Nashville just bites the bullet and is like, well, you know what? We're going to go 4-4-1. We're going to protect all our defensemen. Then they get past the expansion. Then what motivation do they have to trade any of those guys? So, like, if, you, if you're looking, if you're Chuck Fletcher and you're looking to make ads, there's a case to be made that making those ads before the expansion draft might be the only time you can make the ads you want to make because it's the only time that the other teams are going to be motivated to trade the players that you want to acquire. All right. Excellent. I'm glad I asked. Last, but certainly not least, the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I've had a lot of irrational thoughts surrounding the Flyers this week, and I think the most irrational was that I decided that I was really mad at Elaine Vigneault because Rod Brindamore and Sheldon Keefe said that it was their fault that they lost hockey games, and Elaine Vigneault will never, ever, ever, ever say that, even I though mean, it might be. I mean, so he had, I just he, decided he, he was But, bad. like, he has said things like that. Like, <laughs> maybe maybe not to, like, the extent that you want him to. I mean, he's... I mean, Brenda Moore came out and said, I coached a shitty game. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't and think... And AV's he, done that. Yeah, I don't think he's going to say that. But, I mm-hmm. mean, Vigneault has absolutely said after games that, like, I need to be better, you know, basically, like, the Andy Reid stuff, which I guess is too mealy mouth for people. But, like, I, I don't think it's fair well, to say that... We're going to be I, unhappy with it either way. Yeah, like, I when don't think When they lose, we're upset. Exactly. Like, I don't think it's quite fair to say that, like, he doesn't admit fault, which I gather is one of the Rangers fans' criticisms that Kelly is now taking as... Gospel, did you but... hear me say irrational before I started talking? Because <laughs> I did say irrational. And I was serious about that. I mean, I, look, I, I think it's it's fair to point out that, like, no, I would not expect to hear the, the words that Rob Brennamore, I don't even know what Sheldon Keefe said, but I don't, I, I kind of try Similar. to act, I kind of just try to act like the Toronto Maple Leafs don't exist because they get, I get pumped full of them on Twitter and that's the extent of Toronto Maple Leafs information I need. Um, but I did, I did read the Brynamore quotes and they were good, but like Brynamore's a really good coach and he's a very down to earth guy and he's just, he has a totally different coaching style from Vino. Like Brynamore is absolutely a player's coach and that's the kind of statement that like an absolute player's coach says. So it fits Brynamore's mentality and it fits his personality a lot more than it does Vigneault but I don't think I would say that Vigneault has never admitted that he is at fault because I think he has done that in some of these games I'd have to go back through the transcripts but like he's done that after after some of these games not all of them but but some of them he certainly never did it looking as good as Rod the bot that's Um, fair (laughs) no one has I mean come on uh so I have a question 
And I like to be upfront with the listeners. I don't know if I'm serious or not. I, I don't. <laughs> he know. actually doesn't know if he's trolling. <laughs> like Charlie, uh, you got all of you say all the time. Like I, I'm purposefully a contrarian, but no, it's I, I'm naturally a con- like I just have natural inclinations to things that like other people seem to disagree with. I, I didn't That's know just who you are. I didn't, as a I didn't know people didn't like shootouts when I decided I liked them. I just did. Like I, I don't know. That's wrong. Uh, well, you knew. Uh, you knew. So, Come on. Let's the, stop lying to yourself. In the, never. Uh, in the interest <laughs> of not knowing whether I'm serious or not, would you right now take Paul Holmgren back as the Flyers general manager? No. I mean, honestly, like, if you put a gun to my head and said Paul Holmgren has to be the GM now, that would be fine. I don't think it would make a death. Would, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. You, you wouldn't choose death over Paul Holmgren. <laughs> no, no. It wouldn't make a bit of... My, I don't, yeah, that was a stupid thing to say. It wouldn't make a bit of difference. Like, if, I mean, if Bill yeah. Matz was GM, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. It's, yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, Bill Bill Matz could probably do what Fletcher has done better. over the last year, which is mean, not much. You mean um, I could I mean, sign I think, a I think, shitty player I, I don't, for $3 million... And then pay someone else to take him away for half that. Yeah, I could. I could probably do that. Yeah, like I. Yeah, like like I don't think Bill Matz could actually do the general managing job. But if you're comparing it to what Chuck Fletcher has done over the last year, I mean, like I think Chuck Fletcher will do more. But if you're just looking at this past year, then yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, the, the point I'll make about Paul Holmgren, and I've I've made this before. I I made it. I made this point back when everyone hated Paul Holmgren. I'll make this point now, now that there is a contingent of people that really, really want Paul Holmgren, apparently. I don't think Paul Holmgren was nearly as bad of a GM as, as his haters thought. I also don't think he was anywhere near a perfect GM, and by the end, he clearly had no idea how to address the loss of Chris Pronger and just kept adding more and more awful defensemen and more and more old and overpaid forwards to a roster that did not need any more of them. So like, if you're asking me like, is Paul home would, would Paul Holmgren be a good fit for this particular situation? I mean, maybe he, he did it before. I mean, he did turn over a roster and make it a contender pretty quick. So maybe for this particular job, he's actually well suited. And I mean, shit, if I'm Chuck Fletcher, like Paul Homer's still in New York, like still around. He's not like mm-hmm. not taking calls. I mean, I would be talking to, to Paul Holmgren about like, hey, how did you pull that off? You know, in what was it, two thousand seven was when uh was when he did his, his, re- yeah. his, his rebuild on the fly. I'd be I'd be picking his brain. I'd be trying to figure out how how Paul pulled it off because he did a great job. I mean, the first what four years ish of Paul Holmgren's tenure, uh, they were objectively great years. It just kind of came apart at the end. From oh seven. To 2011, he was great. Then yeah. everybody got shit-faced and addicted to coke <laughs> and hated each other. And then the wheels fell off the rookie goalie. And then after that, the uh, their best defenseman lost his eye. Like, until those things happened, he was fine. So, like, I, like you, they've done, he's done this job before. I'm not saying Chuck Fletcher can't. I'm just saying I have zero confidence in the fact that he can I will be so happy if I'm wrong, but I think Chuck Fletcher is terrible. I just think that the game has passed Paul Holmgren by. I, I think that it's just a completely different game than when he was general manager with different types of talent and different things needed to build a successful roster. 
And they had young players who were actually, like, turning out. It wouldn't be a disaster, and I say that with an asterisk, only because, you know, some of the real bad moves that Paul Holmgren made were influenced by an owner that needed to get things done right now, and that's not the case. And now we have a completely absentee ownership who couldn't give a shit. So, like... I don't think that that's quite fair. It's just we don't we don't see them as fans. They we can't po- see. They what can't the fuck is possibly. Like Scott, they're they're a, a, a corporation. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. The Flyers are a but line. They were, item. The Flyers have been owned owned by Comcast forever. Yeah, like, but Ed even, Snyder was in charge of them. But even when Ed Snyder was in charge, like he wasn't the majority owner. Like they've been owned. No, by but he Comcast. was in charge of the team. Like he was. Okay. Right now, but like th- all right, Dave so Scott now we have isn't Dave anyway. Scott. Like he's not, but he doesn't give a fuck. Not really. Well, I well, mean, that's yeah. he I, I can't I possibly give it. a fuck. Everyone is still employed. He can't I, possibly care. If he did, he, he's got a real weird way of showing it. If he gives a fuck, it's to the extent that he wants to be a cool sports dude instead of a nerd in a suit, and he's not doing a very good job at that. Well, if they fail, he also fails and gets fired, and someone else is coming in. Like that's that's what happens in a corporation. Yeah. So there is some. There is some interest to him keeping his job. So I don't think that to say that he doesn't give a fuck is fair, but it's totally fair to say we don't see him anywhere near as much as we saw Ed Snyder. Yeah, well, he's, I mean, he didn't build the team. He didn't literally yeah. bring the team to the city and is, you know, essentially the face of the organization because it's his friggin' team. Like, He's George Washington. Like, yeah, I mean, the, the, the one point I'll make about, you know, the, the ownership thing, and I think this is a very, you know, real thing, is that Ed Snyder wanted to win because he wanted to win. Like, he, you know, and, and everything else was a bonus because he wanted his team to win and he actually cared about the city and he cared about the fans. Like, a corporation wants to win because it drives revenue. Like, Hats that's are like, worth that's, wh- that's why they want to win because winning teams drive playoff revenue, winning teams drive interest, drive attendance. Well, part of the reason why there probably isn't all that much urgency on the part of the corporation is because they can't make money right now anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, there's no, you know... It's not like if this is a normal year. I mean, if and if this is a normal year, the season probably wouldn't be as much of a disaster as it is. But if this was a normal year and the Flyers were this much of a mess and the Wells Fargo Center was fifty percent full, I think there was a much better chance that they would have done stuff. But it's easier for a corporation to look at the situation and be like, Okay, we've been assured that there's gonna be things that are gonna happen in the offseason. Doing stuff to pacify a fan base that can't even spend money on the team that much now anyway really isn't worth it as long as we can pacify them by the time the stadium is opened up again in full. That's true. They've already, they, the league has already destroyed their merch sales by going with Fanatics. So, like, you know, uh-huh. they can't make any money any other way. Um, all right. So, the, the Holmgren talk. Like, I, I think, again, I think he'd be somewhat better than Chuck Fletcher because he's not good. Uh, but it was mostly for my own entertainment. I, I really want to start with, like, the newsier stuff because it's just moderately less depressing than, like, what's actually <laughs> going on. And then we'll get into the shit. I promise that show is coming. But I want to start. I want to start with some, uh, well, it's not breaking anymore, but it was breaking news when I wrote it down. Chuck Fletcher woke up from his nap realized acquiring players is a job within his purview, and he signed Jackson Cates. 
Hey, that's something. Hey. It's a guy. He's a guy. He had a nice little college not career. The, not the one that we were thinking it was going to be, but it'll do. I kind of yeah, like having the new Shen brothers. <laughs> I think it's fun. Yeah, I, I really, God. really like Noah Cates. So let's get that done quickly. Um, but I think it bodes well that his brother signed. He looked good at camp last year. Yeah, yeah. Two years ago, yeah, they, he was around. They've they've had Jackson Cates around. He's been a development camp and stuff like that. So they've clearly been keeping an eye on him. And I do agree that, like, Noah Cates is apparently deciding whether he wants to go back to school for his senior year. He may decide to go back. He may decide to sign. The Flyers would like him to sign. But I will say the fact that go they back, signed... Kid. Well, the fact that they signed his brother tells me that, like, even if he goes back, I think he's probably yes. going to ultimately sign with the Flyers. Like, Stay it just, in school. It, 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 it Stay as long be ha- as you can. <laughs> Come on, Bill. It, it, would just be, it would just be hard for a guy to be like, I can join a team with my bro but I'm going to become a free agent. Yeah, no. So, like, just for that, I am fine with the move, even though I'm not, like, terribly high on Jackson Cates as a prospect. Like, fine. Sign his brother so you make sure that Noah Cates doesn't leave. Cool with it. That's kind of what I thought it was. It was like a, yeah, we don't want him to go, so... I think they like I think they like Jackson Cates. I just, like, I think he's, like, just a guy. Like, maybe he's, you know, maybe something, but I, my expect- my expectations aren't, like, Generally speaking, my expectations aren't especially high for any undrafted college free agents. Um, but I'm not expecting Jackson Cates to become, you know, some like regular third line contributor for the Flyers. But if it helps you get Noah Cates, who I like as a prospect, sure, why not? Better or worse than Mike Vecchione? Better. I mean, let's hope he's better. <laughs> God, I hope so. Yeah. All right, uh, that was that. The the Lawton extension, I guess that was the biggest news out of trade deadline day. We haven't spoken as a group since then. Uh, five years, which is, that's lengthy. You bought the guy's prime, $3 million a year, $15 million total. Uh, how are we feeling about this? He'll be 27 on May 30th. Contract runs from age 27 through age 31. Hopefully they're still playing on his uh, on his 32nd birthday. It looks like they bought a guy's prime who can play anywhere in the lineup for $3 million a year. Right? Yeah, he's, it's fine. Five years is a long time um, to commit to someone who will probably be a fourth liner by the time that that's, that contract is over. But I don't care. I like Scott Lawton. It's fine. I, I'm guessing he got a little bit of a glue guy bump as far as salary and term goes. I feel like they value Scott Lawton, the human being in the locker room and as part of the team more than they value Scott Lawton, probably fourth line hockey player. See, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills Uh (laughs) with the entire fan base when it comes to Scott Lawton because like, he's good. Yeah. I don't like he's good. This isn't like he's a fourth liner. He's actually a pretty darn good hockey player. And if you actually look at the numbers, they say he's a pretty darn good hockey player. Like, he's been scoring at 5-on-5 at the rate of a second-line player for the last two seasons. He's basically a break-even play-driving player who's actually doing a pretty good job of that this year, even better than his averages. He can play every position. 
He can you can put him on the second line at wing, you could put him on the third line at center, you could put him on the third line at wing, you could put him on the fourth line at center, and he's one of the rare guys, like a lot of guys who are middle six forwards. You can't stick them on the fourth line for two weeks because they get pissed off because it's like, hey man, I'm a scorer. You gotta play me with scores. And Scott Lawton is one of those guys where like you put him on the fourth line, he's just gonna be like, hey, this is cool. I, I, I like this, you know, I'm fine with it. And there's value in that. There's value in having guys who are who are better than fourth liners, who are willing to play on the fourth line to make your fourth line actually good when they play on it. And it's wild to me how many people over the last year and a half I've gotten into arguments with who are just like, yeah, Scott Lawton's replaceable, he sucks. Like, have you looked at what he's done? He's pretty good. And all of the prospects that you're like, well, you could just replace him with prospects. like. I really like Tanner Lazinski. He's like one of my favorite like mid-tier Flyers prospects. Big fan. Think he's going to be an NHL player. His ceiling, his absolute ceiling is what Scott Lawton is right now. That's like best case scenario. Tanner Lazinski becomes a 35 to 40 point player that can play every position and can, can fill in on your second line, but is probably best served as a third liner. Like that's Lazinski's ceiling. So the idea that it's like, well, we're, you know, let Scott Lawton go and replace him with all the bottom sixers we have, like, that's going to be a downgrade. And it's going to be a bigger downgrade than you probably think. Like, $3 million cap hit for Scott Lawton is a good cap hit for Scott Lawton. You can yell at the term, and you can criticize the term, and that's fair. Five, five years is a lot of term for a guy who's more of a depth guy. But, like, $3 million for Scott Lawton is a good cap hit. He's better than a $3 million player. Yeah, so this is what I have to say about Scott Lawton. Um, I agree, he is good. And for all of the years that this team was bad, like let's go back to 2018-19, he was the only player who gave a shit. He was the only player that came out night in and night out and played his ass off. And that's the kind of guy I want on my team. Again, five years. He'll probably be a fourth-line player in five years. And that means that the team ahead of him is good. Like that's, yeah, that's so. the, well, if he's in the fourth <laughs> line, that's the hope, right? Um, but I, it's fine. It's fine. I wanted to keep him around. I'm glad they did. And I like that there's interest in him from other teams in the league because one, that gives us leverage. And two, it shows that other people are noticing he's a good player. Uh, like in five years, yes, it's a long time, but he'll be 31. Like it's he's not, not like that old. Yeah, it's not yeah. like he's gonna be thirty six. I granted, like he plays a physical style. Like he he does play in the bottom six where you tend to grind it out. So maybe he wears down. But like he ain't gonna be in this steep decline by then. I don't think the term is that bad. My like I like Scott Lawton. Ideally, you know, I think he's a third line. If he's on your fourth line, you better have a hell of a team, and you're definitely gonna have a pretty damn good fourth line. Um. I just feel like, is it the right message to send to this team? Like, man, everything is fucking terrible. The only thing we did on deadline day was keep things the same. Like, that kind of bothers me. It certainly doesn't send. It certainly doesn't send the message that the fans wanted. Like that. I I don't. I, I just. I. I I hate this. Ugh. I hate. I don't know how to how to like articulate it, but like, like people talk about messages because they're angry. 
and they don't really care about whether it sends a message to the team. It's just that they want the message sent to them. Mm-hmm. And then they try to act like the message that they want sent to them is the message that also should be sent to the team. Like, you can interpret this Lawton thing as something else where it's like, Scott Lawton is one of the few guys that actually seems to give a shit, and we rewarded him. And then, like, and that, that says, like, hey, if you give a shit, we'll reward you. If you don't, you might be out of here this offseason. So, like, there's a lot of nuance to a way a message can be sent. Now... If you wanted the message to be, we're going to blow this thing up, then yeah, you're going to be mad they re-signed Scott Lawton, because for you, Scott Lawton isn't like an individual. He's just another piece of this team that you absolutely hate, and it doesn't really matter who gets moved, you just want different. And that's Mm -hmm. fair, but like, that's just what you want. That's not necessarily what has to be done, it's just what you want because you're mad. Also, like, can we just for a second... Acknowledge that the idea that a bunch of grown men that are professional athletes and have been for half of their lives are sitting around going, well, they didn't trade anybody. I guess it's fine for me to play like shit. Like, that's not happening. And the idea that you have to remove someone's friend in Scott Lawton in order for them to be like, oh, gee, I guess I'll score goals now. Like, that's not how it's going to work. That's not how it works. Like, it's, it's a nonsense argument made by people who have absolutely no space in their brain for, like, nuance. We it's just hear, s- stupid. We hear all the time how bad moving is. Like, I wouldn't want to be Everyone forced to move. Moving. Everyone Ooh, hates sucks. moving. It's fucking Ken. It's really bad. It's the. I know what it's my house right now. It's a lot easier when you have millions of dollars. It is, but apparently, it is the ultimate threat you can give any hockey player. You might have to move now. I like. I'd like the Lawton contract. I think it's fine. Like, I will not be surprised, especially if there are some substantial moves this off season. If he's wearing a letter on his sweater next year, and that wouldn't bother me at all. I can see that. They they seem they seem to believe they move a couple leaders out. I can see that. They seem to believe he's one of those guys in the locker room. The question I have is, is his contribution worth more than what they could have got for him? And what they could have got for him is at least substantial-ish draft compensation that could be included in a package for a difference maker, because that's what I want. As much ammo as possible to change and improve this team. Plus... $3 $3 million that could be put towards a difference maker. Scott Lawton is a hell of a player. He can play on my team any day. But this team sorely lacks difference makers. He's not one. Kind of, yeah, that was kind of the only thing. Like, I don't disagree with Charlie that Scott Lawton is worth $3 million. I do think that's a fair price to pay for him. But the thing that worried me was that we've all acknowledged that this team, at minimum, needs a number one defenseman. Maybe you could say they need, like, a 2A, 2B situation. Like, maybe that would get it done. But even in order to get that, they need a lot of cap space cleared out somehow. And right now, we're kind of just banking on the hope that, like, maybe we can pay someone to take Jake Voracek away from us. Or maybe somebody will notice that Shane Gossesbear isn't garbage, and maybe they'll want to give us something for him. But there's a lot of ifs hanging out there as far as the cap space goes and if they don't find a way to clear it out they're not going to be able to improve in the way that we need them to heading into next season that's the only reason where i was like ooh, three million dollars is a lot of money to block off when we need like eight 
Yeah, I mean, it's a reasonable point. And that was one thing I did note about, because I, I was very much in favor of them finding a way to, to re-sign Lawton. But the one point I made, I forget who I was talking to this on Twitter about, but it was it was somebody, somebody I don't even know. Um, but the point I made is that, like, the one thing about letting Lawton leave, or not even letting him leave, but, like, trading for assets, is that it's ex- it, it would have been exciting in a way because it's like, oh, they're doing this because they really plan to have a big offseason. They're loading up on assets to have a big offseason. And that would have been exciting. The thing is, is that, and this is the flip side of that, then you really, really had to have the big offseason. Like, if you if you traded Lawton for a first-round pick, which I'm, I'm skeptical they could have gotten a first-round pick, but okay, maybe they get a first-round pick for Scott Lawton. But say a two if, and a three. Like, that's that's yeah. something good you can yeah, include sure. in a trade. I, I, think, I think they probably could have gotten that. But you do that, okay? And then what happens if like you just make those picks? Like then you're then oh, you're like, God. okay, so God, like we just traded Scott Lawton, a good player, and we got two lottery tickets that won't be on the team for five years. Like I don't want them it, to make it, a single fucking pick. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, like if you were if you were gonna trade Scott Lawton, um I would have been fine with it. Like I would have, you know, it would have sucked because I like watching him play. He's a good dude. But like I would be fine with it as long as it was like that is like you really got to use those assets to improve the team. Congratulations! Do not make fan. a draft pick. Do not make a draft pick with the picks that you tr- you would have gotten for Scott Lawton. Those are assets you are trading, and you damn well better do it. Congratulations! You just traded Scott Lawton for Pascal LeBurge and Tyrell Goldborn. Oh god! Oh god! <laughs> Never say that again. I liked Pascal LeBurge. It sucks when uh, Goldborn's my favorite flyer the last ten years. Oh, I actually don't think you're kidding. He had that one shift. I think it was against Boston. But but in Lots in truth though, like shift. in truth, they really should have the assets to make the ads yeah. they need to make. Like yeah, trading trading Lawton for a second and a third round pick, or trading Lawton for a first round pick, like it would have helped. It would have given them more. But they have enough pieces. To go out and get players. Yeah, already. I agree. Especially like they, their they volume have, they, of prospects. Yeah, like they have enough prospects. They have they have all of their draft picks for the next two years. Like they have the pieces to spend. Now, whether they're willing to spend them is another story entirely. But like they don't really need more. They really should have enough. All right, uh, we're gonna move on from Scott Lawton right after this. But I just want one uh, one more question. How would you define his season? Because this number, like, yes, I like Scott Lawton. I think he's a good player on this team. Uh, But it kind of seems like it's more like a contract for what he did last year than in this, his contract year. Is he having as good of a year as he did last season? Does anyone think? I mean, nobody is. So. Yeah, this is the thing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. Because no one is, and it sucks. Everyone is trash right now. And also, if except for Claude, if you do <laughs> give a contract to a guy based on his cumulative performance, I don't really think that's a bad thing. Like, I don't think that it's necessarily only what happens in the contract year that you can no and when you just reward a contract year you end up you know say he yeah. has an a huge outlier year and then you end up really screwing yourself With um, Jake <laughs> i do i do also one thing that huh. i thought and lawton essentially confirmed you know after he signed the contract uh during his media availability yesterday i got the sense especially in the week leading up to the deadline that he was really, really gripping the stick tight because 
he desperately wanted to prove to them why they should resign him. So, like, it's it's kind of, you know, another thing that I'll point out is, like, they haven't played a lot of games this year, at least in comparison to, like, a normal season. So, like, if he has four games where he's just yeah. tense because he's worried he's going to get traded, and he goes scoreless in those four games, like, that screws with his entire stat line. True. You know what I mean? So... You know, you take away those four games, and then he's back to being a half point per game player, which is probably what we wanted from him anyway. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I think he's, I think he's having a pretty good year. Like, I think I think when I did my my uh, grades, my midseason grades, I gave him a B. I mean, maybe I dropped that down to like a B minus or a C plus. Jesus now, Christ! Like, on it, the curve of this season, a player having a B minus is worth fucking eight million. <laughs> but I mean, relative to like expectations, yeah, yeah, you know? I, and. I, and, and yeah, I I think he's had a decent year. I don't think very many players in this team have, you know, like how can you be happy with anybody on the team right now? You if really he just can't. cashed in on a few more okay. of these breakaways that he's supposed to be so great at. <laughs> I will say like he does create a tremendous number of breakaways. Like he, does. he gets he more breakaways than anybody on the team by a lot. The last few games have been especially hilarious with the breakaways. I feel like he's gotten like seven of them in the last three games. They started they started this narrative that he's our best breakaway player because he had a couple goals in a row, and then he hasn't scored in like two months. But I love him. I'm glad I'm glad he's here. I'm just frustrated with everything surrounding this team right now. I want to make sure I get like I like Scott Lawton. It's a good deal. Um other moves at the trade deadline real quick. Raffle to Washington for a fifth. Good for you, pal. I hope they win the cup. Bye. I like, I like Michael Raffle. I am so glad I don't have to hear people complaining about Michael Raffle anymore. I'm just so glad. <laughs> well, he's been here for eight years. So he's eight part of the problem. He's part of the core. Had to get been rid of him. for eight years. If you can't replace a guy in a decade, he's part of the core. All right. That's it. But... I'm well, he's happy. gone now, so you, you got your yeah, wish, there Bill. You, go. you got your Listen, wish. Listen, no, I, it's just up. like it's just like if if Wade Allison isn't better than Michael Raffle, fold the fucking franchise. Like, <laughs> it, it, like it, what are we doing here? Uh, but I like good for him. They recouped that fifth they spent on Nate Thompson last year. Another brilliant fucking trade deadline move by our pal <laughs> Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> um, I forgot they paid. You a fifth may round be pick the only him. one that forgot yeah. about that. Well, I forgot they paid a fifth round pick for him. I knew they had him. Yeah. So they traded Eric Gustafson to Montreal for a seventh round pick in 2022. That is nothing. That's like, you know how people say literally, but they mean figuratively. No, a seventh round pick in 2022 is literally nothing. It's better than a seventh round this year. And they had to cover half of his salary to do it, which means essentially they had to pay Montreal to take this guy, the only contribution Chuck Fletcher made to this team in the offseason, off of our hands. That's what this GM has done for this team. It's not I mean, great. that's what he's done lately. At it's least he had at least he recognized the mistake and <laughs> remedied the error. Let's look at a let's look at a positive. Well, I mean I mean the guy was eighth on the depth chart. Like yeah, I he guess got he passed by him, Nate but he Prosser. He wasn't going to play. He wasn't going to. No, I think he was. He was backhand in Nate Prosser, but he was definitely behind Samuel Moran and Robert Hayes. So. When I slice my hand open accidentally while making a sandwich, oh, and then grab a rag, that's not fixing the problem. <laughs> like, I don't know. Anyway, 
Uh, could they have maybe? I'm, I'm just I'm just glad I don't have to watch uh, Eric. Gustafson no, I, I I'm just glad he's out of here, and I'm glad I have this joke to be able to continue to make about fucking Chuck Fletcher, who I just despise at this point. All right, uh, what time are we at here? We're at 35. So let's uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back on the other side with more of me complaining. It sounds like a lot of fun. I'll talk to you in a few. All right, everybody, we are back uh, with the old BSH radio, and it's the uh, it's the airing of grievances hour. It's it's n- <laughs> it's not the Festivus party, but it might as well be. We're gonna do feats of strength after this. Kelly is a minus four thousand favorite in that. Um, <laughs> could they have picked up some more assets? Like I said earlier, we all kind of said like they have to have an active off season, and the way to do that is with more ammo. Now, I don't know how many guys are actually even movable, like, at this time of year, considering everybody's cap constraints, like, one team in the league has money, uh, you know. Um, Could they have just done a few more things, maybe? Are you happy with the way the trade deadline went? Just kind of waiting for the offseason to see how it happens? Is that okay? That's fine by me. Like, again, the, the trade deadline, in my opinion, is when teams really stock up to make a playoff Mm -hmm. push and that's not what this team was doing so if they were gonna have a quiet trade deadline like this is the time to do it um you don't you don't want to see them make big moves when the team we still think that this team is good just not this year like the individual players you can look at them be like yeah i think you're still good i don't want to trade you for a chicken sandwich which is what we were ready to trade eric gustafson for a fucking um, chicken think- sandwich is worth more than a seventh round pick uh, 14 months from now. Listen, Kurt said chicken sandwich for Eric Gustafson so much that I think most <laughs> of us ate chicken sandwiches that night. Or, or chicken and some. Like, I went and got nugs from Wendy's. Like, I just, I needed. Yeah, like, Wendy's spicy nugs, Popeye's chicken sandwich, all worth more than what they got for Eric Gustafson. Yeah. So my, yeah. my thing is that I, there wasn't a single move that was made on the deadline by anybody that I looked at and was like, oh, I wish the Flyers had made that move. Like, there wasn't a single one. It's not like if if some other team had gotten Ryan Ellis, like maybe I would be super pissed off that we didn't do that. But there wasn't a move made where I was like, shit, if the Flyers had done that, they would be way in a better spot. Like, there wasn't, there just wasn't a lot going on, except for, as Steph said, teams loading up for playoff pushes, which we don't need to do. And that's well, I, th- the, I think okay, Bill's true. point. I think I think Bill's point was more: should they have sold more? Yeah, less. You know, um, I, I mean, obviously the Flyers shouldn't have bought. You know, unless you're buying for the long term, like that would have been been stupid to buy it to to you know purchase a rental contract for this you know next 15, 14, 13 games. Like that would have been insane. Um, but I mean, could they have traded more pieces? I don't know. I, I guess the the tough part about that is like teams mostly wanted rentals yeah mm. the flyers pretty much like they had the flyers had four rentals the flyers had michael roffle who they traded the flyers had eric gustafson who they traded the flyers had scott lawton who they re-signed and the flyers had brian elliott who i guess is the only one you could be like you know maybe they could have traded him but there's always a limited market for goalies and i think the flyers probably looked at it as like Hart's still kind of not carter hart so do we really want him to start a lot or, and if we doesn't start, do we really want Alex Lyon to be playing 60% of the games? So I think that probably, like, maybe you could have gotten, like, a six-round pick for Brian Elliott, but the way they looked at it was 
you know, we're going to play Brian Elliott. We have 15 more games anyway. left and no goalie. Yeah. Yeah. Like let's, let's, it's not even worth getting that late of a pick just to say we trade at Brian Elliott. So those are your rentals. And then it's like, okay, well, could you have sold guys with term left? My understanding is that not many teams were willing to take guys with term left, especially the kind of guys the Flyers would be selling. You know, like you could say, why didn't they trade Jake Voracek? Like no one was taking on no, an $8 million awesome. contract at the, at the trade deadline. Same thing with James Van Reems. Like, like they'd be willing to take that on as a rental, not as a guy with two more years after that because it factors into your cap thing and whatnot. It's just not the kind of deal teams were looking to make. You mentioned Justin Braun in the outline. That's an interesting That's, one. He just seems like the type of guy who would normally get moved at a trade deadline. But you, rem- I texted you like the night before or whatever, and you reminded me he had another year on his contract, which I had no fucking memory of. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they, signed, just... they signed a two-year deal. Braun's interesting to me because, like, I think Braun's pretty good. I think really ever since the um, they returned from the COVID pause, he's been yeah, one of the fine. Flyers' best defensemen. Like, he's he's fine in his role. He's probably playing above his role right now because the Flyers don't have a number one right-handed defenseman, which, again, that's on Chuck Fletcher. But... In his role, I think Justin Braun's a perfectly fine number four, number five defenseman on a good team. I don't necessarily have a problem with trading him in the offseason because I would like a better version of that guy if yeah. possible. Yeah. Like, I guess, like, my ideal offseason for the defense is you go out and you get a number one who's on the right side, and then you go out and get another guy who's more of like, a really good second pair of defense. Yeah, they need a one and a four. Yeah, like I would, and and the thing is, is that if you do that, then I don't know where Braun fits. Yeah. So to me, like, as much as I do respect Justin Braun, if the Flyers have my ideal off season, you're trading Justin Braun. But I think you'd probably be able to do that because he'd only be on one, one more year left on his contract in the offseason. I would imagine someone would want Justin Braun because he's got a cheap cap hit. So maybe it wasn't like, you know, you you hold on to him now because you look at it as, and I don't know what the Flyers fans are, but if, it, like, if I'm Chuck Fletcher, I look at this and I say, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try to get two defensemen. That's my ideal. If I can, if, if I can get two defensemen, I'll trade Braun. But it's not a guarantee I'm going to be able to get two yeah. defensemen. And if I don't, I'm going to want to have Braun still. So I might as well keep him, wait to see what I can actually pull off in the summer. And then if I have to trade him, I probably can because he's got one more year left on his deal. He's had a pretty good season and he's got a cheap cap in. He seems like someone all the hockey men would be like, yes, I'll trade yeah. for him. Like, yeah, yeah absolutely. I uh, I just thought, yeah, maybe they could get something for him. But uh, since we're talking about Braun, real quick, this is just something funny I just thought of last night. Now, many people would say Shane Gostas Bear has been the Flyers' best defenseman this year. Um, and low bar, you know, like I mean, <laughs> the bar, bar, the bar is in the basement, and I'm standing on the ground floor. Like the bar is non-existent. Uh, but. Justin Braun has been pretty good, especially since the return from COVID after a really bad start. Who gets the Barry Ashby Trophy? Like they, cle- oh, like God. they put go- they put Ghost on waivers and clearly want to move on from him. And yeah, they- you have Braun, who like nobody actually likes, like fans, but like he's pretty good. He's fine, uh, and he's like the vet who's just kind of deserving. He's the leader of the group. He's there to make Provorov feel okay and give him his blanket and bottle and everything. Um, 
I'm just I'm just kidding. Uh, a little bit. Who do you think gets the Barry Ashby trophy? Because I remember going back to uh, whenever when the Beats were trying to sell us on Nick Schultz, and then they were just like, "Fuck it, all of our defensemen suck." Here you go, Mark Strike. Like, is it yeah. like is it going to be like that? So it's an interesting question. I mean, I vote on the Barry Ashby, so it's definitely something I've thought about. <laughs> like, who the hell am I going to vote right. for? There are a couple people who are viable candidates. Like, I think Braun is a viable candidate. Ghost is a viable candidate. One thing that's wild is like if you look at the if you look at the underlying numbers, like Travis Sanheim is actually a viable candidate. I don't think he's going to get it because he's gotten utterly destroyed by plus minus and whatnot. But like, if you look at the advanced stats, he's probably the guy who like by the numbers should get it. In the end, like. I think they're probably going to ultimately give it to Provorov. Oh. Not because he's been oh. good, but because, like, <laughs> he he plays the most. He's actually scored a decent amount of points. Like, he's got 21 points in 42 games, which is pretty much like a normal Ivan Provorov scoring season. And against all odds, he's a plus two. Like, I, I honestly don't know how he's pulled that, that is off, remarkable. but he is. Yeah. Finally, finally, so, we have disproved pu- plus minus. We have, we have disproved it. <laughs> Actually, that's so fucking, I think that's a, end, on a team that's like minus a million, that's incredible. Yeah, Bear finds that incredible. Impressive. Bear is really angry about this. He is mad. Oh my God, but, Provorov gets it, that's hilarious. Yeah, if I had to guess, like, I think people are just going to be like, well, everybody stunk, so just give it to the guy who the coaches trust the most, okay. which is pretty rough. All right. So this is why they don't let me vote on this stuff, <laughs> other than I'm, I'm in the, the national group for the PHWA, but I would say Samuel Moran. Like, go I ahead, was buddy. just going to say it should be a protest vote for Moran, who started the year like, as a forward. <laughs> started the year as a forward, came back as a defenseman, and doesn't look like dog shit. Yeah, he's not the worst. He's not the. That's why they don't let me vote on these things. All right, so uh, another guy who some people thought they might trade. I think it's foolish to do it at the deadline. It's more of an off-season move as part of a package for something actually good. Uh, Nolan Patrick Kelly tweeted, however, uh, something I found very interesting. Basically, while we perceive Patrick's value is incredibly low right now, uh, actually, it's the highest his value could ever be. Because right now he still has quote unquote potential, and like three years from now, when he's still this, he will have exactly zero value. Mm-hmm. Um, Bear just fired all of you. You were very liberal with that we. The Nail Yakupov <laughs> argument. The royal. It's, ba- we. No, it's it's basically the Curtis Lazar <laughs> concept because that's sort of what happened to him in too. Ottawa, where there was a point where he had a lot of value, and he never really performed and Ottawa kept turning down trade offers for them. And by the time they gave up on him, he had no value. Mm -hmm. So I, it's, it's that whole thought process is reminiscent of the Curtis Lazar situation in Ottawa. It really just depends on what you, if you're a Steph driver with regard to Nolan Patrick, or if you're a Kelly Hinkle with regard to (laughs) Nolan Patrick, I simply do not see in this man, a, very good NHL hockey player. Is he an NHL hockey player? Yes. Would he be in a lineup anywhere? Yes. But I feel like right now there are still general managers, hockey men around the league who are like, that's a number two overall pick, baby. That kid is going to be something. And I don't think he's going to be. So if you can trick some, some Peter Shirelli someplace. I was going to say, Shirelli needs a fucking job. Yeah. 
because he thinks <laughs> he's going to be something, then take him and get something for him now because I personally think in three years, we're going to be looking at like a fine third liner, whereas we might be able to trick somebody into thinking he's more than that now and we can get value for him. So there's like a couple things here. Um, One, it's like a really shitty season. Like he has had a really shitty season. I'm not defending that at all. But he's had two seasons which were fine. Gonna say fine. before and I didn't like him then either. I know that you didn't. They were fine. They weren't special. They weren't. <laughs> they weren't. They, were they fine. weren't. He just great. looked they like a guy. Number two overall pick. He looked like a fine. I'm talking guy. now. Shut up. You All had right. your time. Um, th- he's also making under a million dollars. So if in three years from now he's a third liner making under a million dollars or around a million dollars. Who the fuck cares? There is We're a We're going to be zero. having the conversation that Chuck had a couple weeks ago. Why the fuck are we talking about Michael Roffel? It'll be why the fuck are we still talking about Nolan Patrick? No, there is a zero. So we'll still be talking about Nolan the Patrick. Point, the point <laughs> is that right now we could get more for him than a third liner making a million dollars a season because people think he might be more than that. If that's all he ends up being and he's on our third line making a million dollars a year in three years, that's fine. It's not terrible. But if right now... When the Flyers need to improve, they can get an asset for him that they can use to get a better player. Okay. That seems good. Yeah, like, I get it. I get it. But I just don't. I wouldn't do it. I, I don't think that it's a bad thought process. So if you, I get what let me saying. ask you this, just hypothetically. If yeah. David Poyle insisted that Nolan Patrick be part of the package to get Ryan Ellis, would you do that? Yeah. Okay. Just yeah, checking. like if, if it's part of the package to get, oh my God, to get Ryan Ellis, yeah. Are you kidding me? I would sell my kidney. And that's that's where I see his value is like yeah, it's a moving, him, a moving him in a sell job does nothing. Like moving like, him to get something. About, let's also talk about how his, his value right now is high because he just came back from a year away and has proven that he can still play hockey. Not necessarily to a... Uh, you know, a high caliber. Like this is not. A I high mean, like he's the season, worst but... player on a bad team. <laughs> he's the worst How player are you finding hockey. <laughs> he's the worst player on one of the worst teams in the league. Like, is he an NHL player? Yes. Really? Why? What has he done that makes you think that? He's played hockey. All right. I don't. I don't. So I don't Nate Prosser also an NHLer. Sure. I mean, technically, yeah. okay. <laughs> they're on the NHL contracts. <laughs> In the most technical sense, yes. Do they have to protect Nolan Patrick? No, no. Like right no, now, are you asking like in, in, tr- right in the now. rules? Or... No, 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 no. No, like right now, you have Giroux and Hayes who you have to protect. Then Couturier, TK, Lawton, and Oscar who you're gonna protect. That leaves you one spot. Would not. Does it have him. to be Patrick? No. I mean, the only reason why. I would protect Patrick is because I want to expose Voracek and JVR in the hopes that they would be taken. And if you expose Patrick, I imagine Seattle would strongly consider taking him just to take a flyer on the guy. No, it's a, it's a worst case scenario to me to lose Patrick because you get no cap relief. Yeah, that's the thing. So like, I mean, I'm not, look, I think there's a decent chance he gets moved this offseason like i'm not saying it's definitely going to happen but you're just, you, you know you, you hear things and you know there's definitely like elliot friedman said in in his 31 thoughts thing that like the two sides might be thinking that like maybe he needs a fresh start 
you know, that that's something that like I don't think I don't think that's bullshit. You know, I think there might be a feeling that like maybe we give this kid, you know, a, somewhere else to try to make it work because it's just not working here. Um, would they protect him if he's still on the roster? I know as as recently as last summer they were planning to protect him. Now this season very well may have changed that, but at the same time, like Who again, if the goal if the goal of expansion, if your ideal expansion draft is Seattle takes one of your high price guys probably James Van Riemsdyk, you probably want to set up your expansion draft protection list to make that as likely as possible. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know if Nolan Patrick is exposed. I don't know unless they really, really just think he stinks. I don't know why they would take James Van Riemsdyk over Nolan Patrick. You know what I mean? It's just like you're taking on a $7 million a year guy or you're taking a flyer on a guy who was a second overall pick that maybe, you know, somewhere else could find, you know, his game and become the really good player that some people still think he can be. So the way that I interpreted Bill's question was like, like you have to protect Jean Couturier. Like you have yeah. to. Like I yeah. was kind of, I, I mean, I'm assuming, I kind of thought that's what Bill was asking. Like before... I think there kind of was a thought that like you have to protect Nolan Patrick. Oh, oh, oh! I and think right it's absolutely. Now, I don't yeah, there's think that like there's a, there's no a, one's yeah. yeah like no one's like oh no we absolutely must use one of our spots on him because if we don't oh you know the world's gonna end like I don't think we're at that point anymore. <laughs> I agree. I agree that you know you don't look at Nolan Patrick as a guy an asset anymore that you can't afford to lose mm-hmm. Nolan Patrick. If you lose Nolan Patrick, it, you know. Ideally, you turned him into assets, but, you know, he ain't playing very well, so. I'm nodding my head. No one can see this, but I want it on the record that I'm agreeing and I'm nodding my head. I just want to, I don't know if I have a point to make about some of these stats, but I'd just like to run through them and see what some people have to say. Uh, The Flyers have lost five of their last 16 games and seven of their total 42 games this season by five-plus goals. Not great. In case you're wondering, Ottawa has one of those losses. Buffalo has one of those losses. I didn't look up any other teams because that's all I needed to see. Uh, They lost five games by five-plus in 06-07, an 82-game season that saw them win only 22 times. They've done that in the last 28 days. They rank 14th in goals a game. The only thing they did well this season was score. Now they're under three goals a game. They're middle of the lo- middle of the road. Uh, goals against a game, 3-5-7, 30th in front of only Ottawa. Goal differential, negative 31, 25th. And like, yeah, there's some blowouts in there, but that's kind of the point. Um, that is the point, yeah. Yeah. Power play, 19.7, 19th. Oof. Not to be outdone. I'm actually surprised it's that good. Yeah, honestly, I like it was twenty. It was tw- it was an even twenty percent, and then the Tuesday game, and now it's nineteen point seven. And I'm like, when did these goals happen? Uh, penalty kill seventy three point two percent, thirtieth. Remember that the penalty right. kill eighty one point eight percent last year, eleventh in the league. Now they are second to last. God, it was real good. Was no, it's real bad in, in terms of first with just the penalty kill. <laughs> analysis in terms of just the penalty kill was last year an aberration because like prior to last year 26th 29th 21st 20th 27th like uh, big difference this year and last year what is it 
Gold Matt tending. Niskanen. Ah, goaltending. Goaltending. Goaltending and Niskanen. No, I think I. Yeah. In all honesty, like you know, I, I always like to say that you can't oversimplify analysis, but when it's something like the penalty kill, you kind of can. Yeah. And I really do think a lot of it is like they lost Matt Niskanen. The goaltending has been bad. And then their structure is just falling apart. Like they think I do think they really do miss Matt Niskanen on that penalty kill. You know, it's not the only reason, but like he's just a very, you know, structured dude, both on and off the ice. And that pe- the penalty kill just looks like like even when they kill a penalty, it feels like the other team messed up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like the Flyers did anything right. No. It just feels like the other team screwed up. No, the other team went offside a couple times, and the Flyers won some face-offs. Like, that's how they kill a penalty. That's it. That's what happens. Uh, and, like, when every talking head ever says goalie needs to be your best penalty killer and the goalies are the worst in the league by a lot, like, <laughs> shit yeah. happens. Uh, and that ties into it's not penalty kill, but five-on-five five save percentage. 887. Not only is that 31st worst in the league, NHL.com's tracking of this stat goes back to 2009-10, and the Flyers this year are the worst in the last decade plus. Uh, Five teams in that... Five teams in that time are below 90%, and two of them are Ottawa Senators teams, so, like, non-NHL teams. Uh, so this isn't really great company. Like It, reals, it, it really feels like worse than a decade goaltending. It, it certainly yeah. does. Yeah. It is. It's, it's, it, it's, is. it is, in fact. Um, <laughs> so it begs the question, what is this team good at? Well, right now, right now nothing. nothing, yeah. Losing yeah. by a lot. single fucking thing. Hitting overs. They're really good at hitting overs. Like... <laughs> 4-1 last night, and I had to sweat the six and a half. I was like, what? How? After the first period, five goals, we needed to wait 40 minutes to get two more. Insane, but that's a different story. Um, Are you going to teach me to make money off this awful team? Uh, yeah, as soon as soon as I learn how to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I, I run through these numbers, and I know, like I've said multiple times, we need to divorce ourselves from, like, the previous seasons of, of this rebuild. And now we're in a different thing. But, man, it seems like they're real fucked moving forward. Just, like, how do they get out of this? Like, we're saying they need to have a real active offseason. Like, you need to move one of, at least, uh, Voracek or or JVR in a year where nobody has any money. You're going to have to move Ghost, who is their best defenseman this year. Like, the goalie has is, been... T- is he, though? Sadly, Yes. Like, if it's Justin At Braun, that's time. worse. If it's Justin Braun, that's worse. Like, I just, like, what do they really have that makes you think this can be a cup competitive team in the next two years? Well, I just, I mean, I think that, number one, I mean, as awful as this year is, I do think this is sort of a perfect storm of awful mm-hmm. that has kind of coalesced together into just one of the most soul-crushing seasons of our lifetime. Um I don't think that all of the variables are going to, you know, I think I think Kurt tweeted out something today, basically the extent of like, you have a lot of questions going into a season and you assume that like some of them are going to come up heads, some of them are going to come up tails and everything came up tails for the Flyers. I don't think that's going to happen again. Like even, even with everything wrong with this team, there's a lot of shit wrong with this team. You just ran through it all. Even with everything wrong with this team, if the Flyers have league average goaltending, doesn't have to be good, just just not terrible goaltending. They're probably like still in the playoff mix. Mm-hmm. They're probably right there with the Bruins. And 
that would have been unacceptable because we would have expected them to be much better than that and they would have been worthy of criticism. But, like, they just need the goaltending to not be total shit and they'll at least be decent. So that's your starting point. And then it's like, okay, well, you got to make some ads. And I do think they'll find a way to move Ghost because they need the space. And I think that's just kind of, it's just, it's a relationship that's just run its course. Whether they can move one of the big guys, I don't know. That's where Fletcher's going to, you know, justify how much money he's getting paid. Can he actually clear out that kind of space? Whether it's, you know, a bad contract or bad contract, shake it up deal. Whether he actually gets someone to buy one of those guys. Whether he can convince Seattle to take James Van Riemsdyk. Like, that's where he's. That's where it's going to make or break the offseason because they need to make ads. They need to improve the defense. They probably need another piece up front. I don't think this is unfixable. I really don't because I do think that looking at the raw talent on this roster and looking at the assets this organization has, they're not like it's not a disaster mm-hmm. in terms of like raw talent that they have and you can turn that raw talent and those assets into better fitting pieces if you do a good job this offseason now again Chuck Fletcher has to do a good job that's that's the essential part of this but this isn't a situation like like I would much rather be let me put it this way I'd much rather be where the Flyers are right now than where the Flyers were when Ron Hexall took over the team from Paul Holmgren because that team was well, yeah. fucked. That team did not have a, that did not have enough good players, had no cap space, and had no prospects. This team has prospects. Actually, like, yeah, they need more cap space, but they're not in cap hell. Especially because guys like Carter Hart and Travis Sanheim are not going to make as much money as we mm-hmm. thought they were going to. That could so they're be not, a they're, blessing. Mm-hmm. So they're not in cap hell. And they have talented players. It's just this probably isn't the right mix of talented players. So you're going to have to make the right trades to move out some talented players for other talented players that hopefully fit better. And it can be done. Now, whether it, whether it is done, we'll see. But it can be done. There are other teams in situations where they could have the best GM in the world. There's no way they're fixing this within two years. I think there is a path for the Flyers to fix this. They just have to do it right. That's how I'm going to... Those words are how I'm going to break up with my next boyfriend. This relationship has just run its course. It's very democratic. Fair. I hear the flyers and I'm Shane Goss' bear, and this relationship has just run its course. The reason why I know for certain that this can be fixed is, and, and like, emotionally I can understand why people right now in this pit of despair have decided that this is the true talent of this hockey team as constructed and not last year. Like I understand why right now these games are more meaningful to people when analyzing the team. But the fact of the matter is that if you step away from it, last year was a bunch of games. This year was a bunch of games. Last year's bunch of games aren't fake just because they were good and these are bad and now they're bad. So those ones didn't count anymore. Like that happened. They played those games. They played them well. It wasn't just two weeks of good hockey. They played a pretty good season start to finish of hockey last season. That was real. They can do that again if they get their shit together, which is to Charlie's point, Chuck has to make sure they get their shit together. But the idea that this right now is what this, like, this is what this team is going to be going forward is just nonsense. There's literally no reason to believe that this group of players is going to perform like this season 
every single year going forward without any change. If they, if they make no change at all, which is completely unacceptable, they will be better than they were this year. Without question. I agree with that. Yes. Yeah. They have to be. I mean, like, this is this is the perfect storm of suck. Yeah. I mean, I just ran through a bunch of stats. They're like bottom five in basically everything. They, I do oh. believe the true talent of this team is better. My issue is we went through the Ron Hextall era because we had to build something to be able to make the team great. I don't see how they get from one of worst teams in the league, which they are right now, to great. Charlie like, outlined I, it. I, I I get it. I just like the realistic possibility of that happening. I don't really see as high. Okay, so let's say not all of those things happen. Like yeah, if they let's- sign Dougie and trade for Johnny, it's possible. And Carter Hart goes back to being Carter Hart, one hundred percent. But okay, so here's I, I don't the think thing. those things are going to happen. I don't think that it needs to be all of that in order for this team to be good. I number one is Carter Hart getting back to being. an above average goaltender like base level if that doesn't happen nothing else matters anyway so that's gotta happen if he doesn't get a dougie hamilton or a ryan ellis for whatever reason is that okay no he fucking needs to do that that's what he gets paid to do if he doesn't if instead he gets a really good three four and that's all he gets on the defense and then he loses a trade on a forward in order to shake up the mix a little bit. And that's all that happens. The team's going to be better than it is right now. I, I just, I, the idea that the team has to have a Nathan McKinnon or a Sidney Crosby or a Leon Dreisaitl in order to be a cup team. That's not, that's not real. Like that's not true. Would it be nice if we had them? Yes. But you don't fucking get them on the trade market. That's not, like, it doesn't happen. The Flyers, fact of the matter is, did not luck into one of those guys in a draft. If you want to be pissed off about that, you can be. But that's just how it is now. So you can either, like, accept it and, like, figure out a way to move forward in that reality. Or you can sit around being super pissed off that the Flyers didn't draft Nathan McKinnon at some point in the past. But they can build a very good competitive hockey team using the pieces that they have without it being a blow-up situation and without it being, like, that difficult. Like, I can't imagine that Chuck Fletcher can't figure out how to get this team to a place where it can compete for a Stanley Cup in a serious way. I really just... I, he would have to really fuck it up. And he might, but, like, I I can't imagine that he would. I mean, I know what's going to happen. Because it's, it's, we're, what we're going to have happen is the same thing that happened two off-seasons oh, ago, God. which is, okay... Flyers are going to do a bunch of stuff this offseason. Everybody's going to fucking hate it. And then the team's going to be good. Gonna be good. <laughs> oh, no. The ultimate Flyers oh, thing that God, could happen this, is... This goddamn team. The ultimate Flyers thing that could happen, I think, is they chalk this year up to... It was a fucked up COVID year. The, the older guys with families are unhappy. The young guys who can't get laid are unhappy. And... uh this year just sucks, and then they run it back. No, and not we're going all to. and we're all furious, and then they start out like seven and zero. Oh. <laughs> I think that's the. I, I mean, ultimate, that would be very like, flyers, but I don't think that they're gonna. Thing. There's literally. I don't think no that way. they're gonna run it back. They can't. They can't. This this year can't just be completely. Chuck has off. already I think... said out loud the mix is. Wrong. Oh no no no! They don't run it back. I'm sorry. They sign Alex Ovechkin. That would be the ultimate flyers thing. <laughs> 
you get oh, right, right, you right. get the forty year old ten million dollar free agent. That's that's how you do it. I did like there Yager. we go. I liked it when Yager was here, so we well, can do that, that again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do we have anything else? Because I can't think about this team anymore. It's like the fifth day in a row I've done a show about them. I want I'm to work jump the off fuck up now. I'm supposed to go to bed. I know. It took. I know. Kelly hates doing the shows at night, and now (laughs) (laughs) because I overslept today. (laughs) Uh, We were all here. We were ready. uh, You know, shit happens sometimes. It sure does. (laughs) It's fine. All right. uh, So that's it. Yeah. All right. That is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey this week. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for hanging out. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts and boom, content delivered to you daily. It's really great. You're going to love it so much. You're going to write us a five-star review. Say nice things about it. All right. That's it. Uh, I'm done. Um, I've got dinner waiting, yeah. so let's, let's wrap this for up. Steph, for Steph, for Kelly, for Charlie, my name's Bill. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about